Welcome to the Long Thread Podcast about spinning, stitching, and weaving by hand. The podcast is presented by Long Thread Media, publishers of Handwoven, Piecework, Spinoff, and Little Looms magazines. Find us online at longthreadmedia.com. I'm your host, co-founder Anne Merrow. This season is sponsored by Webs. Webs, America's yarn store, is your source for everything you need for your next weaving project. Webs carries a wide selection of yarns, looms, tools, and accessories, and you can save up to 25% every day with the Webs discount. Visit yarn.com for more info. This week, Nilda Cayanyalpa Alvarez joined me from her home in Cusco, Peru. Nilda is the founder of the Center for Traditional Textiles of Cusco, which supports indigenous weaving, spinning, and needlework artisans in the Andes. In the middle of their second winter of the pandemic in the Southern Hemisphere, we talked about what COVID has meant for the weavers there, what projects the center has created with the weavers, and how textile lovers can have a relationship with the weaving communities from afar. So, Nilda, are you in Cusco now? Yes, I am in Cusco. Um, I live between Chinchero and Cusco. Most of the days I'm in Cusco because the center is located in Cusco. So, because I am in charge of the administration part, but I go back and forth. You said you're in charge of the administration part. The CTTC was your project, right? Did you start that? Yes, it happened in the middle of the 70s. I started with a group, adult weavers from Chinchero, very informal like any other project. And in the 90s came out, you know, the idea kind of formalize any type of project and the do it to that, you know, we start planning. Um, in 1996, we found it with a group of family and friends from North America and Cusco, the Center for Traditional Textiles of Cusco, which is the CTTC. And since then, CTTC works in 10 communities in Cusco region in different places with different styles of textiles, and we try to encourage them to keep their textile tradition. If, if you see a group of weavers from the Cusco area, you can very easily tell what different groups' textile tradition is. Definitely. Mm, textiles and the traditional clothing is part of our regional identity. So you don't have to show your ID. People should be able to recognize by your hat, by your jacket, by your textile, by your skirt, by the clothing. So that's what's until today our textile. And that's why it's very important to keep uh, strong this identity cultural issue in the, of the different regions and communities. So when you started, were people as excited about weaving or did they seem to be making as many textiles then as they seem to be making now? No, in many cultures, you know, when the, another culture comes on the top, they kind of try to shadow the, what's the original. So that's what happened when the Spaniards landed to this part of the world. Uh, they tried to impose many things like in the religion, the cultural aspect, many traditions from Europe, I mean Spain, to this part of the world. Uh, you know, many things have been changing in the first century, of course, the imposition of many practices had been forced. Um, the Inca culture, which precedes to us, is, uh, uh, had been a very developed uh, culture uh, in many ways, architecture, religion, arts, which is part of the text, uh, language, social organization, hierarchy, etc., etc., but that was broken in parts. And so 
the declination of the use of the traditional clothing even had been prohibited. Textiles are like that, had been in constant transition. It's normal to have transition, but in this case it was, I would say, much strong and rapidly forced. Um, so little by little had been declining the use. Instead, like in my grandparents' age, you know, they were trying themselves, forcing to change their children to look like the Spanish so they don't suffer like they have suffered all the abuses from them. So like in my mother's case, I come from a mixed uh, blood, I would say, you know, Spanish and uh, English. So my grandmother say, you know, you cannot be, you have to be educated, my mother. Um, you have changed your clothing. These things, all the suffering should be the end in my generation, not in your generation. So should they speak Spanish, you should go at least few years to the school. Change happens. So clothing changed, textiles has changed, practice has changed, um, many things have been changing. So that's the case of the textile declination and change to the finer, narrow designs and simpler designs, which was practiced by my mother. Meanwhile, you know, the elders, of course, knew the old tradition of the textiles from who I learned. The first steps, for example, I learned from my mother. She told me how to spin behind the ship because I come from the agricultural family with the animals, with the farms, and that's how I grew up. So I learned my first spinning behind the ship and also the weaving. But the most complex old technique I had to learn vocabulary and anything from the elders in my community. And later I went to another place to study and research about that. Were they willing to teach you? Yes. Um, Of course they wondered because that was the years when the women were not educated yet. So I was talking with the generation that they never, never went to the school and for them, of course, weaving is part of the tradition, very important that showed their ability, their capacity as a, uh, home holders, um, mothers who will provide different style of clothing to the family. So the proudness for them meant a lot, but younger generation my age, we didn't care about that. We didn't know about that. So they say, why do you like to learn, you know, to weave? You know, you should go to this school get education, learn very well the language Spanish and change your life because there is no kind future with this for you guys, you know. Uh, I say, you know, I love to weave. I like to learn more to weave. And I say, you know, yeah, you can come, you can watch me, uh, you can start weaving, I can teach you, um, like that type of thing. But it was totally different. It was kind of incorporating their life and, um, be part of their life because they have another sh- things to do too. They were not instructors. I didn't buy. Or if I paid, I paid with the products or with presents and like that. So it was totally different experience from what we will know now, how you learn certain things. 
Well, one of the things that changes over time that at least that, that I've seen is that for a long time, people weren't very interested in natural dyes. But when I think of textiles at the CTTC or, or in your region, I think of all those bright colors. And so many of those are with natural dyes. Yes. Um, well, as I mentioned before, the transition of the weaving was declining. And uh, when I started realizing in the 70s, everybody was using chemical dyes. And that was the year since 50s, 60s, we were also declining to the use of the synthetic yarn, you know, acrylic, 100% acrylic, you know. Um, and that was because uh, the dyeing process was very poor, you know, chemical dyes. We start, I guess, manufacturing and the quality was uh, so low. So when you wash or when the rain got it into a textile, Colors start mixing up. Weaver, weavers, of course, hated because it shadowed all their designs and they didn't like. So they said, oh, well, you know, we can sell the wool, we can sell the alpaca fibers, we can buy acrylic yarn and we can weave it's all really dyed and never fight. So that was the biggest change what was happening then. Um, also, the reproduction was for themselves many times. Uh, or to give presents uh, like that. Meanwhile, today is totally different. So that's the time when I started introducing myself into that world. Since then until now, oh my God, it went beyond, beyond of my expectation. The quality achievement until today, I never thought that we have such capacity, ability to produce these textiles. For some weavers, are just have to look something for a few minutes, make warp and start weaving. Some weavers, we struggle more to study a little bit, but, you know, it's incredible. It's sometimes unexplainable, you know, how the achievements, you know, the result of the capacity, patience, the professionalism, the uh, you know, all the masterpieces today that they produce from hand spun yarn, very fine yarn, natural dye. I'm talking about natural dye. I have researched a lot in the since the 90s because I was very curious about the pre-Columbian textile. I'm talking about the pre-Columbian textile. The origins of these textiles that we practice today goes back to thousands of years in our history, to the pre-Columbian times, and there were many sophisticated cultures in the textile production, techniques, uses, many things that we cannot figure out yet today, even you know, in many museums, they are selling the few thousands of old textiles like they would be woven yesterday. In some pieces, they like waris and paracas mantles and chimu textiles are, you know, like extremely fine. You know, the yarn is like thickness of my hair and the complex designs that they have applied. And the colors, when to talk about the colors, colors is like you would die yesterday. So that was how good, how the master they were to come out, accomplish their colors. So because that intrigues me, you know, intrigued me in that how these colors can stay so many years and intact and such bright and nice. So I started studying. They took many courses 
study books and tried. What I have told in Struck to the Weavers for the first time in 1998 in my home village in Chero was kind of mixed things, you know, workshop and the interview to the elders in the different communities, you know, what they know, what they have here because they didn't practice. And all the information that they gave me, especially the elders, that's what we have applied and that's what we are getting the colors from. There was a lot of connection between Highland and the jungle and many of the dice and mordants came from that part, from different levels of elevation and different plants, flowers, roots, uh, lichens, etc. So it's uh, in this last decade, I had been dedicating a lot of time in dying. And I love it. To me, to get a color, to me, is like a miracle. It really, I feel a huge satisfaction. And sometimes, unplanted colors you get, but they're beautiful. And depends on the season when you are dying, certain colors more intense. And the Andean colors have been, as you mentioned, very intense, brighter colors. And that's what we like to get with the natural dyes. But sometimes it's very time-consuming and expensive in time and the cost because that's that being twice dyed, three times dyed. So over dyeing, first one color, then next another color, then dump to the another color, for example. That was how rich, I guess, our pre-Columbian textiles and today textiles. To get soft, Colors is much easier. And to die, uh, I don't know, happily or sadly, I should, I should say that the yarn factories are copying these natural colors, earthy colors, and they're coming out with the chemical dyes, similar colors to this. So sometimes it's hard to say today which ones are natural colors or which ones are chemical dyes. So... How far do people have to go to get the different dye materials that they need? You said up at the high and down in the Amazon. And <laughs> Okay. In the Andes, um, in Peruvian culture, we are very famous in the commerce. And that existed from the pre-Inca times. There was commerce from the coastal area to the highland, from the highland also from the to the jungle, to the lowlands. So all that commerce went up. That's why you could find coastal things in the jungle, jungle things in the coastal, passing through the Andes, you know. So there were people dedicated to take anilandize to the jungle, to the coastal and to the highland and bring from another countries like Bolivia to Peru and take certain things that those people change their kind of business and they dedicate to connect the lowland people to collect certain types of materials for natural dye and they bring us and they sell us, they go back and back and forth. So that kind of connection we have, we can't go ourselves because we don't have land in the lower land. You cannot do by yourself everything. You know, we are weavers, we are spinners. Every day you spend in that, um, the plants has to come somewhere else, brought by somewhere else. The Silk Road is very famous, but it almost sounds like you have the, the alpaca road from uh, across the country and, and all kinds of trade going back and forth. 
Exactly, the trade, you know, and there is evidence from the pre-Inca times and the Incan. Just on the edge of the ocean, huge site, huge of the storage area to keep camelite fibers. In another site, cotton. And I'm sure there was such thing also in the Andes to keep because in the slopes, I can say the slopes like going to the coastal areas, there were textiles made with like with the cotton, cameloite, the warp, mixed textiles. But in the highland, it's more cameloite. But in the coastal areas, sometimes like Paracas, you will find cameloite fibers, natural dyes, 100%. So the, the you know the trade was still going on. I think so. It will go now. Even today, is uh, they build many roads facilitating that trading. So it will happen. Before it was in the mules. Before it was in the llamas. Weeks and weeks of traveling and picking up and etc. You know that was the commerce. But right now it's difficult for people to 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 trade. Let me tell you, we didn't die. Since last year, March, until I did in one community last April. No, everything stopped. Down here, we had been affected much more stronger, I would say. It damaged a lot, the pandemic. Isolated people so much for a long time. No, we are just getting back because we are getting the vaccine over 50 years old. The damage of the epidemic was brutal in these areas. You know, at the beginning, when we were shut down in Cusco and the Andes, we thought that COVID was not going to come. And they, we thought that altitude, high altitude, was not going to allow. It's going to get weak and it was not going to happen. We opened our doors, suddenly it arrived like a wave, killing many people. Um, no hospital. We are in the third world, so the hospital facilities is very poor. No, we lost many, many people. Um, it was really scary, and sad, no joke, no tourists, uh, no economical issues, but there are people like in Cusco that live from the die and die Inca. So, like this year, they start going out because either they die from COVID or from hunger. You know, that's why. So we got our expansion of the COVID was massive. What What is that meant for the weavers? For the weavers was this connection with the rural areas. You know, they had survived from the production of their land and their animals. But the thing was that many of the children uh, since many decades came down to the seats like Urbamba or the palace. And when the shutdown came, all of them, they went. You know, I don't know if you know about the Bible when you read uh, that from Israel, people living with their families to the other place. To me, like, sound like that. You know, everybody, like, walking with the children, with the chickens and little animals, cats, dogs, they were going home to their communities. What created that in their communities? Maybe older parents, like over 60 or 65 years here, are quite old. They had been farming just for them, two of them. So we are based in potatoes country, so they eat the diet is based in potatoes. They didn't have enough potatoes to feed 
like four children with their husband to wife and their children. So they create like kind of a lot of hassle. There was nice place to sleep in the house. They have to go to the family houses. There was no food. Um, so suddenly they start working so much in the land because there was nothing to do. They start making other breaks to build more rooms for the houses. But there was no money to make tile roofs, so they got to use dashed roofs and like that, whatever they have available. So it forced in many ways to do certain things that were never thought it was going to happen. Um, because, you know, economy, the cash, the money really kind of pushes us from the cultivation of the land to get the food like our parents we will buy and have money and other things. So that was kind of the uh, food was, but when they went back then. Um, so that created that kind of thing. Also, people from the cities, they went back to the communities. They didn't like any more their land. Somebody else was cultivating their land for many years already. Now they go back and they start asking if they could return. Of course, they didn't like, so there was fights, um, many, many sad stories, you know. But with the vaccine now, they're still coming back, returning to the cities again. When I think about the CTTC, I, I went to Tinkui in 2017, and I know that there were other ones, but I think of everyone coming together and about, you know, your store where there are textiles from many different places together. Yes. And how people couldn't come for a long time. People not, still can't come. Not even until now. We just opened the gallery and the museum a week ago. Uh, we are having few visitors, families who are coming. We got stuck with a huge inventory of the textiles of the 10 communities. Um, there is many sad stories, but also this uh, pandemic brought some good, and I would like to live with us mainly. And there were certain things that it could not be had been done if it was not a pandemic. Like what? Rebuild our website. Uh, we have to create immediately with that the online sales, uh, which helped us, you know, um, you know, you have to be creative. We have to knock the heart and the door of many generous people to help you in contributing, you know, the funding to do certain things. So we have done reconstruction of the store in Cusco, which was our dreams for many years, but it was only dreams. But we got the funding and we restructured and today we have new store online, new web page, um, repainting, uh, reconstructing the roofs, uh, the walls, uh, many things, restructuring the administration department and like that. We are doing the second floor now. Soon we are going to start the expansion of our store and exhibition and education department in the second floor. It's fascinating. It's hard to believe for me that we are almost done with the first part and it's totally different. Uh, our store now gives more information, I think. I think it can make to understand to a visitor that's not normal business one-person store. Uh, it's more like cooperative 
benefit into the weavers. So that's that. Now we are doing in Chinchero another reconstruction where it's starting uh, mentioning about Jesus people. The Andean textile art organized a few fundraising events. Uh, now also is coming the auction, which they did last year too, to fundraise that, to send us the money to do, to keep following these projects. So, yeah, on the top of that, you know, we got, but there was moments that there was big silence and saying, wow, what's the future of CTTC, you know? Where, where we are here, it's like, get out from this line, um, you know, um, you know, redirected to the light, where, which direction you will go, you know, that type. So I, I am very glad that I have very supportive board member and, and the textile art, like our sister organization in time. I had knock to the organizations also that they helped us in the past with funding. Say, so, you know, look the opportunity, you know, um, there's good opportunities to come with that. And we did that. That's where we are now. Besides doing things like renovating the store, what does the funding do? Oh, we needed the funding urgent also for the weavers because we like to keep supporting the weavers. Um, with the last year uh, funding, we did, for example, the cell phone charge for the students because nobody can go to the school and we are not going to go to the school probably until next March. Children are stuck in the homes. In many places, there is not even internet. They have to go to the another place to get internet. So charge the cell phones. They have to get their cell phones charged and through that they get their classes. Um, we got seeds because, as I mentioned before, potato seeds, there were not seeds because... There was not even enough to eat. So if you don't have seeds, how you are going to plant for this year the potatoes? Because the planting season was last year in uh, September, October, November. And they needed very badly the potato seeds and only tuber seeds, so vegetable seeds. Potential. Some place they needed chickens for the eggs and for the meat. They like to raise their guinea pigs, um, you know, for meat. Um, those kind of immediately found and we did for Christmas to um, facilitate some needs like canned milk, rice, and detergents. All the COVID materials, alcohol, and you know the face masks and uh, soaps and like that. And also, we provided uh, wool and alpaca fiber so they could keep spinning, so they can have a yarn to when it starts the season. So we can die. Now, for example, in the auction, they are going to ask for the more recharge of the batteries for the students. And they are going to ask uh, funding to for the transportation to come to get their vaccines from the communities. Um, they are going to ask money for... Now we have the yard, cochineal, the pink, purples, uh, reds, um, burgundies, that we need cochineal and cochineal in some places because all those colors are tied with the cochineal and to get intense colors we have to use a lot of cochineal in some communities we spend like 35 kilos like 65 pounds of cochineal 
in two days of workshop, but you die quantities. You can imagine like a community with 50 members. Each member put it a skein of the yarn of 250 grams of yarn multiplied by 50. So you have like three, four pads of one color. So to each pad of that, we'll go two kilos and half to three kilos of cochineal. So when you keep multiplying cochineal, quite use a lot. And a pound of the cochineal is about 50, 60. And right now it's $50 because the dollar is high. So we are going to raise cochineal because nobody has money to buy now the cochineal. Um, they will be so happy to do the dice again. We are going to do that. If we get enough funding, we may buy indigo, which also be buy. There are other colors we are going to be able to produce. So we have, you know, always you have needs, and we are prepared to the weavers to have enough materials. And the generous people and some businesses starting ordering. Uh, quite a bit of um, textiles like uh, from England. They, like, they ask it to produce like over 500 meters uh, of textiles of from four communities. So we have been busy. Well, I would say with some communities, we have been busy. At the city, DC, definitely we have been very busy. Peruvian Connection asks us to produce certain pieces, uh, and other stores also ask us certain people at Smithsonian, uh, always requesting more pieces. Now, as a normal times, when we used to sell from 500 weavers every day, there's no such thing, you know. So, but we need, if we like to continue with this, we need to keep you know, gathering materials and keep trying to help them to do. The another is, you know, first aid kits that we have to start again because more than now they need assisting each other as much as we could, you know. So people who are participating in the auction could actually be helping to, to buy cochineal and, and help kids learn in school then? Yes. And also, I would love, I would love, because the kids are kind to spread. Because we have elders group in some communities and the spinners, they produce yarn. Normal adult groups who are textile producers. We have our mission, you know, is to revive practice, pass to the younger generation, so the textile practices produce forever for the next generations and give opportunity and create income. That's our mission. So uh, because that in each group, we have children group uh, who are learning to weave the narrow bands and narrow belts. And they are kind of so anxious, you know, to start weaving again. But we have so much weaving, we don't know what to do with it. I hope soon we'll start conference. They can use like name tags. I don't know where I am going to find, but I would like to pull so much on those things so children can start weaving again, you know. We have few orders on which we have been doing, but that was it. You have children. Have you taught them to weave? I had two boys. <laughs> In the beginning, when they were six, seven years old, I taught them. They walked few narrowband. Now they went into the science and mathematics, all those kinds of things. 
my oldest son, who is 28 years old, is a computer engineer. Uh, my youngest son is economic. So they went to the another direction. <laughs> I have nieces who are very good weavers and sisters. Is it mostly the girls and women who are, in who are weavers? In my community in Chinchero, yes. For some reason, we have inherited the weaving in the female culture. <laughs> but in another community like Chauaitil, Pitumarcas, Accha Alta, there are certain things that they do men, certain things they do women. So children also, they are learning in that way. It's very interesting that even though people were trading so much, there's so much difference between the different villages. Yes, it's so wonderful. And the techniques also vary. A little bit the Quechua vocabulary also varies from one place to another place. And it's a process of learning that every time you go to a community, you learn something. They think I'm teaching, but I think I'm learning from them. So I think so. it's reciprocity here in the process of learning to give and to receive. That's how it's done. And to all our supporters, I think this is a reciprocity project. You support with your funding, generous funding, the survival of this textile. And what receives the civilization of you is the rich knowledge, the rich things that I can show you, you can appreciate. Uh, for me, it's a community uh, reciprocity to help each other because thanks to them, this uh, textile practice is still alive. Thanks to them, the textiles can embellish their homes. And we don't produce like textiles to just hang. We like to produce textiles to use. Use like your clothing. Use like anything, you know. Um, always renovate like our clothing. That's the textiles which we like to produce. It's not the textiles that you use as a wall hanging, but you can use. But also if time arrives that you have to use as a tablecloth, do it. If you need to wash, wash it. And steam iron to make nice flat. That's the objective of this textiles. Do you have time to make any yourself? And you know what? Um, still, I am dream dreaming. And once, uh, sometimes I think, last night I was talking with a very close friend, and she was doing, you know, you have done so much to CTTC. And always when you have problems, you solve. What you are doing for yourself? That was a very tough question. And I say, you know, uh, what do you like to do for yourself? And I say, to weave, to spend, to die. Uh, when you are going to do that? And how old are you that? And how long you are planning in your life to do that? And she was making to reflect, you know, you have to think in yourself. That was my dream, to go back to my weaving, to my thing. And I have to find that person in my position to run the CTTC. I am hoping someday I will find and someday I will do it. But I hope soon. That's my dream. And I might develop some kind of project. I have before the CTTC. I love to textile. So I start in spending my few cents in collecting textiles. So I have my personal <laughs> collection also quite big. I would sometimes I totally forget. You know, I am more all my hundred percent head and thinking is on CTTC and I have been doing that for this many decades. But 
last night I was thinking, hmm, good question. What I'm going to do with my textile collection? What I'm going to do with this? How many years more I have, you know, to weave? Um, how is going to be my health issues and like that? And retirement, all kinds of... You, you don't like to think of those things, but maybe I will arrange in the coming years a personal project of mine because what I am... Those textiles I have shouldn't be in the boxes. It should be available for people somewhere, you know. So maybe I will find a partner who is much stronger, younger than me, and who can give me the energy. Whatever. <laughs> uh, maybe I will start another one. No, I don't know. It's just a dream. But my immediate dream is to have time to weave, knit, buy, and do my things. So I'm going to tell you about how some things are that I see here and you tell me what it's like for you. Okay. Okay. So when things shut down here, people were home all the time and a lot of people started gardening or making bread. And a lot of people found again that they loved to, you know, knit and spin and weave and being at home a lot meant that they could do a lot more of that. What's that like where you are? For me? For you or, or for the weavers that you know? Okay, for me it was um, a lot of meditating. I knew this, you know, because tourism is very sensible to anything. And I used to tell to the weavers, but when the, the true time comes, you know, it's different. So I say, you know, myself, I ask it. You used to say, you know, this now can be forever. That's why I used to say, always farm your land, always have your animals, and like that. And this is the truth. So now, um, how you are going to redirection the CTTC? Is this the end? Is this going to continue? If continues, what, how is going to continue? Because just before the pandemic, one few months ago, we did a big meeting, a workshop about what's the next five years step for CTTC, but that was kind of stuck there. So for me, it was more like in March. I was so happy. Okay, I don't have to go to the office. No calls and phone. I can just look for the excuse, no more CTTC working. So, okay, pull out all the yarn. I am going to start my work, you know, I called to my friends and they say, you know, come, let's work in this project. It was so exciting, you know, April, no, March, April, May. I dedicate so much in warping and redesigning different projects, smaller, bigger and like that. And of course, I was not going to weave and I have to keep to the other weavers starting. So that's how I did. But then, you know, Staff came, salary, budget, um, what's going to happen? You know, that was the panic moment. And how we are going to meet, we can meet, how we are going to talk. Oh my gosh, a lot of things. So uh, it was redirectioning, learning. And I hate to do the first web page of CTTC because it's extremely time consuming. Mike take the decisions. And I said, this time again, no, I say, you know, no, you know, I say, well, you cannot do online sale because your old web page is not going to sell. So I say, okay, I will do it. 
you know, uh, who will do it? Not just by himself, you know, you have to do all the... So that equipment, we that uh, group of staff, we worked together for many months on that. Um, so that was for me, you know, and now I am, how I am going to get the funding, where I am going to, who I can go, who I should talk, you know, like that type of things. Um, for the weavers, I think was, oh, what? We cannot weave anymore, you know? What we are going to do? And I say, no, you don't have to stop. Look at how many skeins of yarn you have already dyed. You have to ply. You know, that's going to take like two months. Your textile that you are wearing is getting old. You have two daughters, three daughters. Why you don't weave a piece for each daughter? Why you don't weave for yourself? Why you don't spin? So that's what I think the weavers were doing, dedicating a lot of time to their family, going to the fields, creating, you know, raising many more animals. It's dying. Of course, no incomes. So trading, you have to learn again, potatoes with corn and many things. Since they couldn't go out to the markets, they were there, you know. That's what happened. So every person, I think, including me, uh, we found out how much more I can weave, how old I am. Do I need to do more weaving or can I dedicate more time to the other things? That's another things we talked a lot about that. Also, we have gave workshop about what's COVID, what means to be in this epidemic, what's the vaccines, how you can relax, how what to believe, what to not believe. That kind of things also we gave talks in each community, little exercise, like relaxation, like type of things. So that's how the weavers are. I'm sure that many weavers, I don't know how many, how many they are not going to come back to their center because they may dedicate their time to another things. Who knows? Some young woman got their partner now they're living there, start having family, you know, that kind of, it does change. And this doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic. You were talking about how at the start you put together a lot of warps. And most of the weavers that I know here in the States work on a floor loom. So you could put on a warp, but then never weave it. And it just sits here in your house. And uh, the editor of Handwoven tells me that there's a phrase called a dog on the loom. Uh That means that there's something that you've started weaving and you just can't bring yourself to finish it and you're not excited about it. But when I think about the weavers that I've seen, you know, if you have a backstrap loom and you have a dog on the loom, I picture something very different. Yes. That's it. <laughs> and also our warps, you know, can be managed in different types of loom and our loom are not expensive. So if your husband had been at home, you could say, you know what, carve for me this size of loom or that w- or longer one. Uh, they can carve for you and you can adjust certain tools by yourself, carving with your knife and like that. So. It's quite different from the floor loom and doesn't take a lot of space because you just uh, wrap around. And a lot of ladies went to the jungle to pick up their tools like bamboos and like that type of thing, you know. So there are many nice stories besides than the sad stories. But COVID also damaged some health cases. You know, there's pain in their back. Uh, I guess the lungs has some damage and you know, like that type of things. The wonderful weavers 
in some of them there in that situation. Because weaving for a living is quite hard on your body. It is. It's not easy to do. No, no. But uh, if you know how to relax, what happens in the life of the weaver in the Andean culture is you start with the narrow, the circle goes by, and you might come out to the narrow again. You start with the spinning, the circle goes to the top and start declining and come back to the circle again, you know, because uh, at the age of adults in the age 13, 14, 16, 17, before the first child comes, before the, as a mother starts your obligation, that's the wonderful time of weaving the best pieces. Because nobody's bothering you, and you are showing up with your ability, capacity also, and because people are watching you. And so that's the time to produce everything, you know. Then comes children. You slow down because you get pregnant, your first child. You don't have experience. Mother-in-law, you don't have house. You have to build your house. And if you have wonderful husband, may allow you to weave. If not, you slow down. Then children grow up there, four, five, six, eight, 12, 13. They know already to cook again. You come back again. You pick up again because finally you have free time. You don't have to cook again. You dedicate a lot of time. Then comes health issues. So it goes up and down, up and down. That's the circle. So besides shopping on the new CTTC website, you mentioned that there's an auction coming up. In, is that at the end of August? Yes, uh, with the Andean Textile Art. So Andean Textile Arts works with you, with CTTC? Or it's not the same organization? It's not the same organization because CTTC is created by Peruvian laws in Cusco, in Peru. Andean Textile Art is um, with a, it's a non-profit organization one entity created with the, by laws of the United States. That's why they have the system of issuing the non-deductible tax receipts, for example. Meanwhile, we as a Peruvian entity, we cannot do that. Or oh, it's not valid for many people. That's why Andean Textile Art is representative of CTTC. And at the beginning, started because uh, CTTC needs urgent an organization uh, to get the funding to transfer to CTTC. But as a separate organization, Andean Textile or also can fund to the other organizations, you know, because that's their mission. Uh, most of our funding comes from Andean Textile Art. Uh, most of our founders, their funding goes through them. So we'll have links in our show notes for finding the auction on ATA, but also for shopping through the CTTC website. Yes, please. And we are open to any, any order. If you have different shape of table and you need tablecloth, please ask. We would need to receive as much as orders today so we can keep busy the weavers and create the income for them. That's our urgent need today. And when people are visiting your website, can they find out about the different villages that the weavers are from and what sort of textiles they specialize in? Yes. Akcha Alta, for example, has particular knitting with the baubles. And- yes, each community is very much described into the community sections. What things they do, what's their background, their story about them. And please visit our website because you will find a lot of that. 
Thank you so much, Nilda. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you for joining to this big effort in favor to the Andean weavers in the Cusco region. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, and I hope that you get to do some weaving just for fun. <laughs> I would love it to do that. There is this uh, textile behind of me hanging that's produced in pieces, narrow bands, because I cannot produce wider pieces. But that was done, started the project, I don't know when, when I was with the first child, maybe. So maybe in the 1992, it just had been accomplished just a few, few months ago because the, the, it was missing some pieces. So even I asked it to uh, different weavers to help me to finish because there were many looms started in sections and that's how it's done. So I'm so happy that's, for example, finished after, I don't know, two decades or something like that. You know? And it's still like many things start like yours, putting that example of the talking. And... Thanks so much, Nilda. Thank you, Anna. Andean Textile Arts is holding its A Bid for the Future 2021 online textile auction from August 25th through August 28th. The auction will feature 70 handwoven and knitted items from Bolivia and Peru. Visit andeantextilearts.org to learn more and participate. You can find the CTTC online store at textilescusco.org. Thank you for listening to the Long Thread Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate the show and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again. Thank you.